glorified in this place, Lord. And I pray for every person that they give you all the glory from all their hearts, that they worship you and they serve you with all their hearts. We thank you, Jesus. We honor you in this place, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. You're free to do whatever you choose. Thank you. We bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in this place. We bless his name. Everything is because of you, Lord, and we honor you. We are so grateful for who you are in our lives. Thank you. We give you gratitude. We give you praise. We bless your name. We thank you for every season. We thank you for the good work you do in us. We thank you for calling us as your sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Help us today to know you more and to walk with you from all our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. May your name be lifted above everything that is called life. Thank you. I pray for every heart today to be settled in your joy, settled in your hope, settled in your love, and settled in your healing. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If we can just stay in that place, um, the Holy Spirit showed me someone that uh, we can help today financially. You know, sometimes we can have a heart to do so much outside, but I like to hear what God wants to do inside first, meaning in our midst. So if, uh, if you feel led, I'd like to bless uh, a particular person here that the Holy Spirit showed me. Uh, financially, if you feel blessed to give, I'll just give you a couple minutes so we can help someone here. Thank you.
Keep the lights off for now. Yeah, thank you. Just keep them off for now until I finish. God is good, amen. Thank you for whoever blessed the name of the Lord. It's true. That it's blessed to give than to receive. It's true. <clears throat> and sometimes when we, we give in obedience to the Holy Spirit, salvation comes uh, through that. Some people come differently to the Lord. Uh, some people come differently to the Lord. Some people came. Some people come needing healing. Some people come need assistance. But God does it all, and it's true. I like to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when we're worshiping. Um, uh, this is not a show. This is to show that we're, we're here to obey Christ and to help people from all our heart. Thank you, Jesus. And I don't mean to put anyone on the spot by doing this, but I just want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. It's like when I was praying here, I saw one particular girl, she was saying to the Lord, uh, what can you do for me? Meaning, I've never known you, and how am I supposed to open my heart for you? And the girl was saying, Lord, what can you do for me? What's in it for me? And I'm gonna um, give this to the lady that I saw. But the Holy Spirit wanted me to show that lady that the Holy Spirit's there hearing her prayer. And this could be probably a long period of time where she hasn't known who God the Father is. Maybe she had an issue with her father. But God the Father, he killed his son Jesus for us. That's the price that we are worth. And that's how much he loves us. God the Father killed his son for us. Can you fathom this? God the Father killed his son for us. Just think about that. God the Father killed his son for us. 
uh, Jesus is good, amen. And we are here. Uh, my, my desire is to build a family where we love each other and we outdo each other with love and good works. And we always offer a, a hand to help. This is what we want to build here by God's grace, not just another church or another denomination. We want to build a place where the Holy Spirit can do as He wants. Amen. So, thank you for everyone who gave. Just like to bless this person here. Thank you. Yes, you can. Yeah. This is. Uh, I just want to share with you, and this is not to put you on the spot. You question the Lord many times of what the Lord can do for you. This is just a little testimony. It's true. You question it many times. What can he do for you? What's in it for you? He loves you. And today he's, uh, he's come to you. Not the money, the care behind it. He loves you. You know the Holy Spirit? He listens to the cry of our hearts. And if we can get a if we can get a heart like that to know how much he cares for his people and you're attentive and you know this, you'll be a person who becomes uh, a messenger of Christ. Salvation came to this lady because the Holy Spirit showed me what she was going through. And like I said, I don't mean to put anyone on the spot. But I do it openly as an example to show you that who we, are, who we are to be. And this is not my guilt doing, it's the body. We worked as a team. Amen. Okay, let's get started. First of all, thank you everyone for coming. Now, <coughs> today is a beautiful foundation. Um, the Holy Spirit's opened the door for me to preach um, uh, step by step how to walk with the Lord and, and how to prepare and how to prepare um, and, and what to pay attention to and how you can be um, a greater a son or a daughter of the living God and how to be effective as a, as a true believer in Christ. We want this, right? So I share with you humbly, the Holy Spirit's been navigating every week and that's how it should be. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. You better believe that. He is the teacher. And he wants to teach us. So, I spoke about the last three weeks about what the Holy Spirit thrives for in a believer. Right? The first one is truth being the Word of God. Yes? So the Holy Spirit thrives for. A lot of people make the biggest mistake. The Holy Spirit told me this that a lot of people in the wilderness thought that 
<laughs> the Holy Spirit setting us, setting us up to face the devil. And, and there's truth behind that, but greater than that, the Holy Spirit was setting us up for the Word of God. And we, we miss it so easily. The Holy Spirit was setting us up in the wilderness to establish the Word of God. Where we look at it in a, in a, in a way that, that's not so much true. We look at it that the Holy Spirit's going to allow us to face Satan. But guess what faces Satan? The truth faces Satan. <laughs> the truth is what faces Satan. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil. It's submitting to the truth that God is interested with. Not for you to get into a fight with the enemy, though we do have authority over him. Our authority is in the truth. So the Holy Spirit was setting us up, setting us up to, to declare in our hearts, it is written, it is written, it is written. So we established that, that the first foundation as a believer is to get to know the Word of God. Yes, we're in agreement. So the second foundation that I preached about, what the Holy Spirit thrives for, is repentance. repentance. <coughs> so the greatest definition I really believe about repentance is recognizing. The greatest danger that I see in believers today, they struggle to see what the enemy is feeding on inside. They struggle to see or diagnose themselves, whether it be pride, rebellion, unbelief, uh, lack of commitment, love for the world. I really believe that the greatest blessing of repentance is seen. It's only in the scene can you recognize where Christ can help you. Yes, we're in agreement? Good. The third one. <coughs> uh, can we just get that scripture? Philippians chapter 1. This is an eye-opener. Many people's uh, um, prayers will be answered today. Many people will start to see where they went wrong. And I love it how the Holy Spirit navigated this because it's amazing. So I'll just reflect on that scripture very quickly. <coughs> it says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, I want to speak a little bit about that, but, but that's for another time, because there's some truth and value in this statement. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Now, there's a, there's, a, there's a promise here with a condition. Okay? I like to believe that everyone can inherit this promise, but to be honest, um, there's a condition for nearly every, ble every blessing. And it's true. Because that's faith. So, there's a condition here. 
that God who has begun a good work, now every believer here has a good work, accepting Christ as their saviour. That's the beginning of a good work. But now he's talking about completion. Now he's talking about moving forward, right? You don't want to stay at the cross. Jesus loves me, Jesus died for me, Jesus cares for me. There's that's our foundation. That's the beginning. That's not the end. It's the beginning. Right? The cross is the beginning of our salvation. So here there's a condition. We go to the next one. Just as it right for me to think this all of you because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel you are all partakers with me of grace for God is my witness how greatly I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ and this I pray now he's praying this over the Philippian church the saints and the leaders look what he says he says, in this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment. Now, how many people want to love God with all their heart? Where do you begin? You begin to think. Is loving God by... I'll save it, I'll save it. I'll save it, I don't want to jump. So you begin to think here in knowledge and discernment is the true definition of loving God. Now the question is, do, do you love God? And how have you understood the love of God? How has, that, how has that impacted your heart? Can I tell you something? Today I'm going to speak about how to love God through knowledge. And what is knowledge? Okay? So, there's so much to get through you change your life because you'll start to see why you're so resisted or why you're so limited or why you're blocked from moving forward. Now, knowledge, knowledge is a blessing and it's also dangerous. Getting, getting in the wrong hands, it's dangerous. But exercising knowledge in the way that God wants you to exercise it it protects you. Very important you know this. A lot of people make a big mistake. They get the gospel, they use their knowledge to preach it. We're not called to preach it, we're called to live it. It's very different. Living the gospel and preaching the gospel are two different things. Paul didn't preach the gospel. He became a walking epistle something that you need to understand. Being a walking epistle, not much words are needed anymore. Your shadow, your handkerchief. You start to see the gospel is the presence you're actually walking. It's very different. But the Holy Spirit gave me a good teaching, a good foundation, so you can actually see the level of faith that you're actually walking. Have you ever wondered the level of faith that you're actually walking? or the level of knowledge through the love of God that you're actually walking. Who wants to know where they are in their journey? Is the Holy Spirit interested with this? 
Yes. Why? Because he wants to take you to what? Maturity. If the Holy Spirit has one role, if the Holy Spirit has one role on earth with every believer, it's to bring you to perfection. We agree? If there's one major role from the Holy Spirit in each one of us, it's to bring us to perfection. Right? How do you get there? A lot of people ask me, how does the Holy Spirit teach you? How can you hear the heartbeat of God? What lays a foundation for Him to continuously teach you? I'll show you. And I'll tell you something. I don't, I don't study to preach. I study to be transformed. Anyone can preach the gospel, and that's the truth. When we study to show ourselves approved unto God, we become a person who rightly handles the word of truth. So let me just share with you what the Holy Spirit shared with me here. So, I'd like to give you the greatest definition of knowledge before I give my sermon. I'd like to give you the greatest definition of knowledge, right? We'll have a look at it. Go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Now, this is something for every believer here. Very important you know this. This is from the Amplified. It gives it a, some extra detail. But I'm looking for something here that stands out greater than knowledge and you know what it is greater than knowledge is what it's experiencing him that's when knowledge becomes reality without my encounter with the Lord I would not kickstart my journey and there's a promise the Lord is no respecter of man when you draw near to him he draws near to you it's true but look what he says here. Paul says in Ephesians 3.19, he says, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience. Now everyone has different experiences in Christ, but the greatest definition of knowledge is to experience the Lord. Right? Nothing will be able to move you when you experience the Lord. Now I, had, I have an amazing encounter. I don't even speak about it anymore because my encounter turned into an experience and there's momentum now moving forward. But look what it says here, to practically through personal experience the love of Christ which far surpasses me knowledge. Without experience that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experiences of God's presence in your lives completely filled and flooded with God himself. So an experience is important. Now can I tell you something? All the fasting, uh, all the praying, all the doing, I'm setting myself up from something that is way above them all. You know what that is? Is to experience and be directed by him. Now every experience, not just to save me, but even an experience for him to teach me, even experience to, for him to lead me. 
A lot of people base their experience on salvation for him to be saved. But that's just the beginning. You're meant to experience him for, hi for him to lead you, for him to direct you, and for him to orchestrate the will of God in your life. They're all based out of experience. And, 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 and let me tell you this, we all had an experience when we were sinners, turned into people who have received his grace. But it doesn't stop there. That's just the beginning. Your momentum after that sets, you, sets yourself up for an experience. Experience to be taught, experience to be led, experience for him to direct every part of your life. Very important. And so many people have a foundation where they've experienced the Lord to be saved or experience the Lord to be delivered, or experience the Lord to be healed, or experience <coughs> the Lord to be restored. But that's one experience. There's many other experiences where He begins to send you. He begins to orchestrate your life, like He did with me. <coughs> he said to me, build a shelter above your house, and when you finish, I'll come out of the clouds and I'll show you my face. That was based on an experience with Him right? Now, if I didn't have that experience, we won't have this today, humbly saying. My experience led to the will of God. And my experience led to me fulfilling His promise for my life. Make sense? Okay, let's not talk too much about that. But the greatest piece of knowledge is experience. The Bible says, taste and see the Lord is good. You must experience him. And hunger, motivation, perseverance, is to experience the Lord. Make no mistake, you don't serve a, a dead God. You serve a living God. He's the God of the I am, present. He wants to make himself known to you. You must know this. You must have this expectation and urgency that God wants to make himself manifest to you. You must know this. If not, you'll be praying, thank you, Lord, and uh, nothing changes. Okay. Now, now the interesting part. I get the microphone. I like to challenge people. Not to pick on you. Please, I'm not picking on you. So the Holy Spirit showed me there's three levels of knowledge. So how to serve God, how to serve God, <laughs> how to serve God, or how to love God through knowledge. The Holy Spirit showed me there's three levels of knowledge that perfects the believer. So there's knowledge and discernment. I'm talking about knowledge itself today. So one of the key components on loving God is based on knowledge. Now there are three levels of knowledge. What do you think they are? We'll work with the first one. Now, I, I need a microphone. So whoever wants to have a go, one word, one sentence, not every book from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> so have, have a go. What do you think the first level of knowledge when it comes to loving God? 
Uh, you got away from the microphone. One word? What I say? One word? Uh, sentence, or even a sentence. He who have com my commandments uh, and keep them, that's the one who loves me. Amen. Your answer is right, but it's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. You're actually right. No, you're right. Fear of the Lord. Your reward. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Wow, oh, getting closer. Okay, keep going. You look at my nice friend. <laughs> Anyone else? What's the first? What's the first level of, or first level of the love of God based on knowledge? So let's say we spoke about repentance, right? Uh, um, truth, truth, repentance. How to love God? Now we're speaking about the third principle: how to love God based on knowledge. So there's knowledge and discernment that completes one of the components of the love of God. There's six principles from Philippians 1 to, to 9, chapter 1. So what do you think as a believer? Think about your own journey now. What do you think as a believer is the first level of knowledge that God wants you to obtain? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. Amen. It's, it's, it's a good answer. And, you've, and you're, you're close. You're close. But it's good. You preached my sermon already. <laughs> she did. She did. Obedience, obeying his word. Obeying his word. I already spoke about that. That's the first principle. Truth. I'll take two more and then I'll keep going. All right. Identity, okay. <coughs> Pretty good. Are you picking on him or he wants to have a go? All right, go. AJ at the back, yeah. First level is through our senses. Through our senses? Yeah, our five senses. What do you mean by that? So as in, to see God's knowledge, to feel his knowledge, to taste his knowledge, to listen to his knowledge, Amen. and to see his knowledge. Yeah. It's good. They're all good. No, all, everyone answered right, but I, I will. Let's go. We go to 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. Now there are three levels. There are three levels. 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. Okay? So let's read it who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Next one. For there is one God and one mediator between God and human beings, Christ Jesus himself, a human, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This, is, this has now been witnessed 
to at the proper time. So the first level of knowledge is to be saved. That's the first area that God sets up his foundation. Okay? So we're, we're on the same page. So the first level of knowledge is to be saved. Okay? Now what does that speak about? I don't want, I want to quickly I've preached a, a lot of, a lot about this. And she everyone said the correct answer but your identity in Christ is crucial for you to move on. So the knowledge to be saved speaks about God's mercy, God's compassion, his blood, his justification and his righteousness. So these are the foundations that allows you to be right standing with God. Without that, you cannot move to the second level of knowledge. Okay, this is, I'm taking you systematically how a person would walk with Christ. Now I just want to quickly speak about those scriptures. I'm not going to spend too much time. The second level is where I'm going to spend time. So we'll go to Titus chapter, th chap chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. Your first knowledge, or the first level of knowledge, is to be saved. How sure are you what Jesus has done for you at the cross is yours now? It's not for when you die. Right now, the moment you receive Christ, it's yours. Meaning... Do you actually truly walk like you're justified? Like you've never sinned? Or righteous in the sight of God, as in your right standing, God sees you right standing because of the blood of Christ. Do you walk in God's love? Do you walk in God's compassion? Do you walk in God's mercy now? If you don't, then that's the first area you are to focus on. Okay? It says this, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Next scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 9. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. You see the first area that God focuses on? Your position. Next scripture, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In him we have redemption, that is our deliverance, and salvation through his blood, which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin in, a, in accordance with the riches of his grace. Now this is the first area God focuses on, 
when it comes to knowledge. You know that? Very important. Because Satan is, uh, how can I say it? He wants to, he wants to destroy your position. He wants to attack your position in Christ through entangling you and attacking you in all those areas that Christ says you are. Next scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, the first level of knowledge is based on how he saved us. It's not based on yourself yet. It's based on his doing. You with me? That's the first foundation. I preached about it for probably the last eight years. Next scripture, Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Then we get into the meat. We turn to Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Problem. So Romans chapter 5 verse 9 talks about that we are justified in Christ. Can I say this quickly? Imagine praying and you're not justified in Christ. You pray to be justified. Or imagine you're not the righteousness of God in Christ. Imagine when you sin, you feel like you're disconnected from him. You start to see the pattern where so many people have a hard time in, in, in building that foundation because they don't know their position in Christ. Does that make sense to everyone? Does that make sense to everyone? If you don't know that, if you're not justified in Christ, you'll base your journey on how hard you pray which, which you should. Or how much you can do good works for the Lord that will allow you to feel justified. Now the Bible says that the works that he created for us were before the foundation of the universe. He created them for us to walk in. So in the beginning, it's about resting in him, um, being healed by him, being restored by him, being loved by him knowing how much he suffered for your life that's the first foundation and that's a process in itself but knowing that he done that for you would allow you to accept the second level you with me okay now that's the abc of the gospel now we move to the the meat Okay. Now. Yeah. 
What do you think the second level of knowledge that God focuses on? So is everyone on Google yet? Or? <laughs> 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 so people very busy. <laughs> no reception, yeah. So, so the first one is knowledge to be saved. We're, on a, we're all in agreement. Knowledge to be saved, meaning identity. Every answer was correct. Everyone answered right. But the knowledge to be saved, meaning knowledge to be accepted. That deals with rejection, that deals with failure, lack of love, grief, brokenness. It, it covers nearly everything of your, your personality, your mindset, your heart. So, what do you think the next level of knowledge where God focuses on? So, microphone. Because we've got people online. And just for all the people online, we'd like to meet you. <laughs> please don't be. Please don't. Be. Uh, we'd like to meet everyone. There's no such thing as ministry over the internet. <laughs> so, so, the first level of knowledge how to love God is based on, right, how he loved you, right? The second knowledge, the second level of knowledge of how to love God focuses on what? It's a, it's a good question. Uh, sorry. sorry, don't mean to be rude. Uh, oh, sorry, Maddie, sorry. I can't hear Maddie. Knowledge to be transformed. Very good, Maddie. Clap for Maddie, everyone. Did you show him the notes, AJ? <laughs> Very good. Very good, Maddie. Well, I'm happy. I'm actually happy. Knowledge to be transformed. Well done. He hit it on the nail. Very good. We go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. Now, I'd like to go a bit deeper with you. When we speak about the knowledge to be transformed, what do you think is the greatest principle that God is looking for? So, 99% of the people here, we have the knowledge to be saved. Are we in agreement? So many people here, they believe what Jesus has done for them, it's done, right? Now, what do you think the next principle, or the, the knowledge to be transformed, what do you think the most important principle that allows you to be transformed that God is looking for? Discipline? Submission? Submission. 
Obedience. Humble heart. Grace. Renewal of the mind. Truth. That's the first. That's the first week. <laughs> Truth. Who said love? Love. Yeah, that's no, not. <laughs> so, so we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Nice one, Eva. So, come on. There's more. Relationship, fasting, heart. I can't hear. Sorry. Die to your flesh. Die to yourself. Sonship. Presence. Can we just close this? We'll do kids ministry again. <laughs> Commitment. Baptism. I can't hear. Sorry. What's that, sir? Sounds like a good one. I said. Come on, let's keep going. Character. That, that's what Maddie said. To be transformed. Yeah. Anyone else? Acknowledging Christ lives in you. Putting on Christ. Faith. Hope. Love. <laughs> Joy. We're done? We're done? Are we done? Alright. Alright, we'll go. We'll go to the three. Okay. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself from all such things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in, in the image of its creator. So, when it talks about the level of being transformed, God wants us to focus on one major principle. I'm going to share the scripture now after this. One major principle that Sets, you, sets yourself up on a healthy direction with the Lord. You want to know? Yeah. Now, like I said, knowledge that has been in, in hands where they haven't known this has become dangerous because they have knowledge for themselves. 
to draw people to themselves. But it's not like that when you read the Word of God. God intended knowledge to be in safe hands. Okay? So what do you think the greatest definition of knowledge when it comes to the level of putting on the new man? What holds them all together? And what allows you to kickstart your journey where you can mature? We go to the scripture. Go to Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 1 to 10. So I gave you the benefit of the doubt to answer it, and no one answered it. Now, this is the NIV, right? Yes? Okay. So, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as Precious as ours. Now, can you just read this again, please? Look what he's saying here. They received, they received a faith the same that they walked in. Now, is it really precious to the church and the condition of the church now? You'll start to see where people's focus on. God will give you everything. God will look after you. I think we've missed the mark on many things. Though God is faithful and though he loves us and though he cares us, he wants us to focus on one particular thing that allows us to move and soar so quick. Look here. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Now, if you want to know something precious, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. Now we're, we're starting to draw a map now. What's the key to God's heart? And what's the components of faith? Look, we keep going. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God. Remember what we're speaking about now. We're speaking about true knowledge that comes from God. And Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Now you paint attention to every title now. There's blessings of grace, peace being overflowed. Look what he says. His divine power, now he's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And where does he focus his work on? Ready? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Three times now he spoke about knowledge. Next one. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now he's talking about escaping. Next. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. The word there is virtue, but it says goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. Now, look at the, look at the area straight after knowledge where God focuses on. Ready? Ready? 
Isn't that interesting? Thank you to the Holy Spirit that allowed us to see this. That the greatest piece of information that you get is to allow you to walk in self-control. And to knowledge, what's the second principle after knowledge? Self-control. Now, self-control has many attributes that leads to many good things. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. Now, look, what, look where knowledge takes you. It takes you to be a person who's self-controlled and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance God is. You know what it means to persevere? It's to move forward. What actually allows you to move forward? If you don't have self-control, I'm going to speak later what the, the damage of not having self-control. What it does to you is that it keeps you at knowledge only. And to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Now look at this here. If you ever want to read a scripture and build your life around it, it's this scripture. For if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if any of you do not have them, you are nearsighted and blind, and you have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Look at that blessing there. You'll, be, you'll never be ineffective and never be unproductive. What is it? What is the door to knowledge that holds all the blessings together? Self-control. How many people have missed the mark and missed the blessings of God because they don't have self-control? Yes? Yes. Yes. I don't need to preach anymore after that first day. I really don't need to preach anymore because it answers your question what knowledge has to truly turn into in the sight of God. What is God looking for? What is God looking for? Can I tell you something what God's looking for? He's more interested, not what you do outside, but what you do inside. Peter said, you have received a faith as precious as ours. What is so precious to Peter? What's inside here? That is the true gospel. The true gospel is what's inside here. Why? Because God looks at the heart. Please get this. If I was to preach a message, I'll stop at that scripture. But it doesn't give it justice. 
Now, there is a scripture that would bring so much danger if I read it. And I'm going to read it. <laughs> I'm going to read it. Because it, will, it would cause you to wake up. And I'll, I'll let the scripture speak for itself. Go to Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. Now, can I ask you this question? And I'm not trying to pinpoint or pick on anyone, but can I ask you this question? Yes? Can I? Are we in terrible times? We are actually in terrible times. We are in the, we are in the season, I don't know when, of Jesus' return. Right? Now, there is many issues here, but... I'm more interested in what he says at the end. Let's read it. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. W what power is he talking about? Power, power to be transformed. Amen. And what is the beginning of knowledge? It's self control that holds them all together have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women. Isn't it interesting why he says a worm? What does a worm do? He, he, he's, he's in the soil. He stays in the soil, meaning indulges in the flesh who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Now this is where it gets dangerous. Next one. Now look at this here. This has so much truth and it can speak to us. Look what it says here. Always learning. Now can I say something to you? Are you a person that's always learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth? Because if you are coming to the knowledge of the truth, then you are walking in self-control. Isn't it interesting that we can all, including myself, always learn but never come to a knowledge where we can live a life of self-control? You think about that. That statement bothered me more than all the, others, all the other things that I just read. Always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the doorway of repentance? Self-control. What is the doorway of the fear of the Lord? Self-control.
What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? We, all, we love, we're so good at saying love, joy, peace, yes. When we get to self-control, no one speaks about it anymore. But it's true. A, a person of self-control. Now, can I say it like this? What is the greatest definition of self-control? I'll tell you the greatest definition of self-control. He says, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. What is the doorway of self-control? A life of prayer. You need to see this. Because that's the, that's the eyes that allows you to walk in self-control, is a life of prayer. Watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. Prayer. You lose prayer, guess what happens after that? You lose, you lose discernment and prayer, guess what happens after that? Guess what happens? The intruder comes in. Because you have nothing to defend yourself anymore with. Okay, now, let's go. So if I was to diagnose, if I was to diagnose the lack of self-control, what does it come down to? For a person, I just spoke about worms. That's what you got to do. Just die. It's a, it's a. Thanks, Jesse. It's a, it's a good thing to ask yourself, is all the knowledge that I'm obtaining, is that for the benefit of to live a life of self-control? Have you ever thought about that? We're so good at preaching. But have you ever thought about the, all the information, all the knowledge that I'm getting from the Lord? Is that to clean what's inside of me? So many people always tell me, you always look inside and you always see what's happening inside that's where the Holy Spirit looks. That's where the Word of God looks. Everything is inside. When the inside is clean, the outside naturally will be clean. And it's true. But can I tell you something? The benefits of self-control and uh, the dangers of the lack of self-control. I'm going to preach about both of them. So if I was to diagnose the lack of self-control, comes down to the lack of the fear of the Lord. If I can say it like that. We go to Proverbs 25, 28. Now in the Old Testament, when it talks about a city, he's talking about inside. <coughs> So Proverbs twenty five twenty eight. Are we reading someone? We're we're here, you with me? Okay. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self control. Isn't that interesting? 
that we've never given that much value to one of the greatest fruits that ushers all the blessings of God into our life, it's self-control. So here, without self-control, you'll be a person who will continuously remain in sin, continuously live a life of disobedience, and live a life naturally of rebellion. Self-control deals with that. And self-control is, is as simple as knowing that it's wrong. And isn't it interesting, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit thrives to build self-control in you. The devil thrives on building the lack of self-control in you. So you can feed your flesh. So you can feel, feed your emotions and your feelings. So are, are we going to get serious in our journey with Christ? Because this is where the Holy Spirit's going. Next scripture. Proverbs 16.32 Now he's talking about patience here. This is different now. It says here, Proverbs 16.32 Better a, pati a patient person than a warrior. Those with self-control than those who take a city. Now isn't it interesting here that he's, he's speaking about self-control regarding patience. What's this speak of? It's not talking about sin. He's talking about trials. When trials come, when challenges come, when all these things try to come and to uh, take us off course with our journey with Christ, we become impatient and we begin to take authority in our own hands. But self-control would stay on the path of Christ no matter what's coming against them. Isn't it interesting that self-control is what keeps you on that path? It accepts, it accepts what? What does self-control accept? It accepts this. Patience. Isn't that interesting? That self-control is the doorway to patience. Are, are we listening someone? Self-control is the doorway to patience. Isn't it interesting that when we don't get our way, we stop praying, we stop walking, we stop believing, and self-control keeps you on that true course. It remains steadfast in keeping everything together. Now, how many people here are uh, impatient? How many people here begin to complain when things don't go their way? They don't have control over their own spirit. They don't have control over their own emotions. They don't have control over situations. That's why the Bible throughout the, all the book of Psalms, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. You know what that word there that means to wait with God. Meaning wait as you cooperate with Him and as you work on your heart and everything will plan out. But isn't it interesting that self-control has a lot to do with every aspect of your journey. 
not only for sin or disobedience, but also to control yourself in difficult situations. Does that make sense? Next scripture. Titus chapter 1 verse 8. Now this is a beautiful scripture because the doorway, the doorway, the doorway to live a, a righteous life or an upright life or the doorway to lead a holy life or the doorway to live a disciplined life is birthed by self-control. Look at the three components that is founded on self-control. It says, rather he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. Isn't that interesting that self-control births righteousness, righteous living, allows you to live a holy life and allows you to live a disciplined life. Next scripture, Titus chapter 2 verse 1 to 15. I love it when I pick the long scriptures. You might as well just play it and I'll just listen to them. <laughs> I don't like to give one verse, I just like to give it justice by speaking about all of it, if I feel like I need to. It says, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Now he's talking about sound doctrine here. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love and patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the younger. Now he's covering every level of believer. He's covering every one. And I just want to share at the end how it's, it's the, the fuel is to be self-controlled. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who has opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Saviour in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, denying all ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ who gave up himself that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. 
Let no one despise you. <clears throat> we go to the next scripture. That's a different translation, but the, what, there's self-control in that scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 26. That's the NIV, right? Okay. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Very important that you know this, that the self-control is the doorway for you to begin to put on the new man in your life. Go to 2 Timothy 1.7. I'm reading all the scriptures for you very quickly and I'm going to finish off. Second Timothy one verse seven. Have I read that one out? No, I don't think so. Now look here. I think we read this scripture very quickly and we don't know actually what he's trying to do inside of us. Look what it says here. It says, For God not, did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardness or fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Now you must know that the doorway and the gateway to putting on the new man is living, is living in a place of self-control. First Peter chapter 4. Verse 7. Now this is very interesting here because this talks about communicating. Your communication with the Holy Spirit is clear based on self-control. Now look how he words it here. Not this one. First, P First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. 
Okay? Look at this here. It says, The end and culmination of all things is near. Therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of your prayer, staying balanced and focused on things of God so that your communication would be clear. Are we listening? What blurs your communication from the Lord is the lack of self-control. He's saying, for the sake of your prayer and for the sake of your communication with the Lord, live a life of self-control so that the voice or your vision doesn't become blurred. So can I say it like this, humbly? Why so many people, why so many people's antenna, why so many people's antenna doesn't have the frequency to hear God's voice anymore, unfortunately comes down to the lack of self-control. And, and, and can I say it like this now? The lack of self-control is letting your emotions speak louder than God's truth. When you go through difficult seasons, and you listen to your emotions and your feelings rather than God's truth, that's the lack of self-control. And it's true. When you allow your situation to echo then, then louder than God's will and God's purpose in your life, that's the lack of self-control. It's true. The lack of self-control is not having authority to control your heart according to the Word of God. So people, people that, are, that, are, that are sensitive or people that are emotional, truth be told, that they're lacking self-control over their own spirit. And look what it says here. Can we go back there, please? For the purpose of your prayer, your greatest investment is prayer and self-control allows your prayers to go straight into the throne and get answered. Imagine you're praying and you don't have self-control over your soul or your mind or your flesh. You're an intruder for the enemy to come in and out how he pleases. And I just want to show you how everything comes together and you're, you're, you, you start to get a direction of understanding, okay, what are the areas that I'm not focusing on? What are the areas that I need to focus on? What am I lacking in my journey? And self-control is massive because self-control leads to the fear of the Lord. That is it. And 99% of the blessings in the Old and the New Testament are founded by the fear of the Lord. What finds the fear of the Lord? Self-control. I have two more scriptures. The last one will open your eyes. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27.
in the Amplified. Now Paul here is talking about a race. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about it driving on the way here. No one in the New Testament thought to be at a place where they achieved what God wanted to give them. You know what that means? It means they all, in the attitude of their hearts, were always trying day by day to better themselves and to work on the things that are in their heart. They were never comfortable. I'm not saying as your position through salvation. I'm talking about the new man. They were always in the attitude of working further and further and further and further. And Paul here, being the great Saint Paul, look what he said. Look what he said. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, their very best to win, but they only receive the prize? Run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Now every athlete who goes into training and competes in the game is disciplined and exercises self-control in all things. They do it to win a crown that withers. But we do it to receive an imperishable crown that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. I do not flail around like one beating the air, just shadow boxing. But like a boxer, I strictly discipline and make it a slave so that after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself somehow be disqualified as unfit for service. What allows you to be unfit for service? Not exercising self-control. Now, I didn't preach about the third level. I was talking about three levels of knowledge. The third level is bearing good, uh, doing good works and bearing fruit. So there are three levels. Number one, knowledge to be saved, knowledge to put on the new man, knowledge to walk in good works and good fruits. Whoever is following, I didn't get there. The scripture for that, I'm not going to read it. But the scripture for that is... Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 to 10. Now, how was the gospel, I close up with this scripture, how was the gospel truly preached in the New Testament compared to how it's preached today? Has it changed? You bet you it's changed. How we handle the gospel to how they handle the gospel is very different. And I'd like to show you here. Go to Acts chapter 24, verse 24 to 26. Now can I say it like this? Why there is so much people who lack repentance or lack true transformation is because the true gospel is not preached in the way it should be. We might uh, offend someone or we might... Um, not allow them to accept the gospel, but the raw gospel was preached in the way that it was preached. Look here. Are we listening here now? Look. This is Paul talking to two people that weren't believers yet. And look what happened here. It says, Several days later, Phoebus came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, who sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. 
Uh, with this thing now, I've never preached this scripture, but I'll share with you today. Now, can we go back, please? And listen to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. Now, how does it look for you? Look how he says it. Next one. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Did he, did he focus about what Jesus done on the cross? He did. But was his focus on what Jesus done on the cross? Look what he said. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. Have you ever seen this scripture? <laughs> that's enough. Stop. Imagine if this teaching is allowed in every church today. What would happen to people? This is the true recipe and the true fruit of having faith in Christ Jesus. To live as Christ did and to live a self-controlled life where he steers your life until you see him. But is that your focus? Is that your focus? Enough of Jesus loves me now. We know Jesus loves you. He wants you to work on a self-controlled life now. He wants to put your life in order now because that's who you are. Let's not, be, let's, let's not play with Jesus here now. We know Christ now and he's leading us to what? Living a self-controlled life where you're useful to the master and you truly are transformed in what he truly done for you at the cross. Now look what he said now. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. You preach hard gospel, out. Thank God I'm not the only one. When I find it convenient, I will send for you never again. Never again he sent for him. But can I tell you something? That is the true faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's not get sidetracked. Let's not put our focus on something different. This is the true gospel that Jesus wants to put inside of us to live a self-controlled life where the Holy Spirit lives and reigns in us. Today, how many people are emotional? How many people are carnal? How many people are swayed by different trials and different situations, different circumstances? A self-controlled life remains patient and cooperates with him in every aspect to become mature. But without self-control, you cannot walk in the fear of the Lord. And the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. He wants to bring order to your life. I'm not preaching another gospel here. I'm preaching the true gospel. He wants to bring self-control into you. Why? Because when you're controlled by Him, you no longer live anymore. And it's true. You no longer live anymore. So I bless you all. And I thank God that He's actually taken us step by step how to have a healthy relationship with Him. So I let you answer maybe 50 or 60 times and no one got it. And last week I let you answer and the week before I let you answer. And can I tell you something? I'm not having a go at anyone here. But I'm just trying to show you
that we've missed the mark of who we are truly to become. And it's not about guessing he got it wrong or she got it wrong. It's not about that. It's about eating so much of knowledge, true knowledge, that we know how to walk with him. That's the truth. And self-control is the doorway to knowledge. So can I say something, and I'll, I'll, I'll just put this scripture down. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. Sorry. So if someone wants to position himself to walk with Christ now, he wants to position himself to walk with Christ now, what's the beginning of the foundation? I spoke about knowledge today. I spoke about self-control. Um, she quoted that scripture, blessed sister there about Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 it's not the end it's the beginning yeah. can we get it? Oh, one second so, so Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 is so they go hand in hand that the lack of, of self-control comes down to the lack of the fear of the Lord. But can I say something to you? That's the, end, that's the beginning result. It's not the end result. It's the beginning that shapes your destiny to begin to move forward. He says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What are we preaching about today? Knowledge. How to love God through knowledge. And this is a major component. I didn't want to really focus on the fear of the Lord. I wanted to focus on self-control. That promotes the fear of the Lord. And I just want to encourage you here to understand, is your journey with Christ healthy? Are you on a healthy journey with Christ? Because if you are on a healthy journey with Christ, the new man would be formed. That promotes you to the next stage of your journey. Knowledge to bear good fruits and knowledge to, um, to do the will of God. Now, isn't that interesting that the procedure of God? Number one, knowledge to be saved. Knowledge to be transformed or to put on the new man. Knowledge to walk in good works and good fruits. And each one has a major component and a work that the Holy Spirit has to do inside of you to move forward. Are you a person that's in the place of momentum? You think about that. Are you on a healthy journey with Christ? Something to think about. Self-control is big. It's big. Not only for sin or rebellion, but for controlling your mind, your emotions, in every situation. And I really believe the doorway to all of that is prayer. When you lack self-control, you lack prayer. They go hand in hand. I really believe that. Because prayer is your eyes. It is, it's true. So many people that naturally lack prayer, they lack the self-control. Which lacks the fear of the Lord. 
So I encourage you today to ask yourself and examine and reflect so we can move on now to what Christ wants us to be. Amen. So let's pray. Isn't it interesting that Paul went to preach about faith in Christ? You see the three components? Self-control, righteousness of God, and the judgment of God. Wow. Holy Spirit here. And can I tell you something? He wants to build you. Let's not, let's not move from hype or emotions. He wants to build you up. Can you see this? Every person here, Christ wants to build you up. Let's not play around with our journey or our life anymore. Christ wants to build you up. He wants to build you up. I encourage you to get this message and this teaching in your life. He wants to build you up. Please understand this. And self-control is the greatest foundation that you can build on. Isn't that interesting that the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord or the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord? Yes? with me? James says, if you lack wisdom, pray. He's telling you that God will give you self-control. And I encourage you to understand the value and the richness of self-control that leads you on a healthy journey with Christ. Are you on the first level? Knowledge to be saved. Knowledge to put on the new man. Or are you at the third level? where you have knowledge to bear good fruits and good works, where the Holy Spirit focuses on soul winning, focuses on the Father's will, focuses on directing you to your position in the will of God. This church here, we're at the second level. Slightly the first level, but we're moving now to the second level where we're putting on the new man. We're in this tug of war. Holy Spirit, show me. We're in this tug of war to put on the new man the fight of the flesh. And it's okay. It doesn't mean you're evil. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. But that's the area you should focus. So open your hands. It's so good and healthy to know where you are with the Lord. Not to be discouraged, but to know the area that you are to work with Him. Amen? I think that's the most encouraging thing, to discover where you are with the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you.
We thank you, Holy Spirit. That even if their hearts condemn them, Lord, you're greater than their hearts. Thank you. The Holy Spirit gave me that scripture for many people here. Even if your hearts condemn you, the Lord is greater than your heart. Hallelujah. Nothing is wasted. I pray, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, for every heart to be established in self-control, which is a gift from the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, and we recognize, Lord, that we are in lack of self-control. And I pray, Father, from the third heavens, that we can come to you as a body to receive mercy, help and grace in time of need. I pray for the gift of self-control to be manifested in their spirit. Thank you. That they may walk at the true course and they may be true to you where they love you out of the true knowledge of God. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. You said when two or more agree on something on earth, it shall be done in heaven. I really believe, Lord, this prayer brings joy to your heart because it's about your son's sacrifice that transforms us. Thank you, Lord. That grace has appeared. It teaches us to deny all ungodliness. I pray for the gift of self-control to be manifested in every heart where our walk can be true to you, Lord. And our true devotion is true to you. That's how you get the glory, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's coming into your heart. And there's a mighty presence here because the Holy Spirit's happy with what's preached. He's happy. He loves for everyone to know the true work of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the word that you gave us. I thank you for the good work you're doing in us. I pray that you restore the walls of self-control in our hearts, that we can live a life of obedience and truth to you. We worship you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Go into their hearts and restore them, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Holy Spirit's here and he's manifesting himself to you now. Speak from your heart to him. Tell him how much you're grateful for giving you direction and to helping you overcome any season or trial that you're in. Talk to him in your hearts. Thank you. I really believe from today you have a lot to work on and a lot to digest. But use it. Let this teaching and let this truth be useful to you where you come to the knowledge of the truth. Not learning only, but coming to the knowledge of the truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We worship you, Lord. 
we give you all the glory. Now, if there are people here that have issues with their heart, if there are people here that have issues with their heart, I'd like to pray for you. You come to the front, please. Also, people heavy-chested, Any people here that have issues under their soul where they walk and they feel like a naily, tingling pain, you come to the front also, please. Any women here that have issues with their chest, please come to the front. Thank you, Jesus. Just please, um, just don't make any noise. Just allow the Holy Spirit to manifest. Keep your focus on Him. Thank you, Jesus.